0: But if we're not an evangelization missionary religion, right, if Bitcoin does not, if Bitcoin does not re-embrace that, I think that the some very hard times. Good afternoon and good evening to everybody listening and watching wherever and whenever this podcast finds you. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to the Digino you know podcast. I'm Dustin, your host. So, welcome again to the beautiful By the Bay Basement Studios, joined as always by my 1995 Batman Forever McDonald's Riddler cup filled with water because that's what adults do. They drink water to make sure they are hydrated or something. Today's episode is going to be basically a look back at 2019 and a look forward to 2020 and beyond uh, the state of Bitcoin as I see it at the moment. And 2019 was a very interesting year. We had, uh, you know, it it was somewhat quiet. Um, We started off the year, uh, I guess not in terms of price, but we started off the year still coming down from the lows of 2017 2018 was a lot of people waiting uh to basically be rescued uh, from the dump from 20,000. i shouldn't say a lot of people or everybody but a lot of people were uh, waiting for it to recover this was just a momentary blip there were still quite a few people i remember last year talking about well you know where you know we've hit uh 13 and then 10 and you know, we're we're going to we're going to hold there. And, you know, for a while, uh, I myself thought, you know, maybe 10 is a is a support level for this. And we saw a continued drop all the way down to I think it bottomed out at what about like thirty five hundred or something like that around in March. And then from there, we saw it go all the way back up uh, to I think it. Hit what thirteen thousand, and then now we're sitting at about seven. But this is not about price. I'm I'm just mentioning that as as uh, as an event. We kind of saw that that uh, somewhat of a recovery uh, in terms of confidence in uh, the markets for the price. Which whether we like it or not, price does bring eyes to Bitcoin, and the majority of people who have gotten into Bitcoin did so. Because, the not because of the price, but because the price was something that first got their attention on it. When it broke a dollar, when it reached dollar parity, that was something that, uh, you know, brought some eyes onto it. But really it was around the 2013 time frame when we saw it get up to a 1,000 or 1,200. I can't remember exactly. And I guess it depends on what exchange that we're talking, not Mt. Gox, of course. But, you know, that was... Something that brings eyes. We may not say that Bitcoin is about price, uh, or that it's more than that, which it absolutely is. But price is a very important meme within Bitcoin, uh, because that is kind of what brings the quote unquote normies into it because they'll see, oh, hey, you know, remember my grandson or my nephew or, or my brother was talking about it. And that was what, you know, a, you know, two, three years ago, four years ago, or whatever it was. And it was, You know, 1,200 then, you know, now it's 7,000 or something like that. Maybe I should look into this more. So I don't think it's it's I think it's important to really caution people. This was something that I failed at uh, in the 2017 fervor of of really um, making people more aware of the fact that they needed to be more careful about that. That now was very much a multi-corner at the time too. So I was buying, uh, drinking a lot of Kool-Aid uh, in in regards to the possibilities for other projects. And it wasn't until I did a lot more research that I kind of really realized that having a 10,000 bit or Bitcoins, 10,000 blockchains that do a 10,005 different things is not sustainable, it's not useful, and it's, and it's not, um, a secret for success. Uh, we don't, you know, I've said quite a few times, we don't, you know, there, there's not a grand need for tracking bananas, right? Um, this is actually something I want to do a, a lot more research on is what are the current logistics tracking, um, you know, software and, and programs out there? How expensive are they? How reliable are they? And then are the blockchain alter, blockchain alternatives more or less expensive and reliable? Uh, because I haven't seen anybody, and this is what leads me to believe just offhand that it's not, um, it may be uh, as reliable, but it's not necessarily easier to do. And it's not going to be cheaper. I don't think that because if it was, that's what they would be. That's what they would be uh, pushing out as the main narrative of this. And, and uh, I just haven't seen it. So that's something that I've made a more of a snap decision on than anything else. But, you know, and even if it was, let's just say it, a blockchain on Ethereum is a better way to track bananas than the current system. Uh, that, that's great. Um, then in that scenario, that's a use case. But in terms of importance of things that we need to tackle, I, I just I don't see the need uh, and I don't see the um, historical yearning for it in the way that money is. Money is something that we've always struggled with as a society, um, to, you know, in, in modern history, I should say, since let's just say the time of the agricultural revolution is that there's always this problem with uh, with counterfeiting. Um, you're, you're unsure of, you know, even with a gold coin, uh, which I don't have here. I should have thought about this ahead of time and brought some props. But, you know, you have a gold coin and. You know, you know that that gold coin is, you know, one ounce of gold, one ounce of gold buys, I don't know, uh, a whole cow, you know, which is very valuable. And, you know, especially in those times and you know, you know, that that is that, but do you actually know if it's an ounce, it's not like now where you can get a, a small, you know, you can get like a small scale, you know, something this size, um, I don't think that they have these yet. Well, they um, they have ones that will plug into phones and things like that, uh, but you know, it's it, it's it's not something that you would normally have. So you have to trust somewhat. There is always that, or I shouldn't say somewhat. You absolutely had to trust. You had to trust. Uh, here's um an example here. You had to trust whose face was on on the on the on the coin, um, and the problem with that is that you had you didn't know if they were being uh, unscrupulous. There's a reason why you'll see just like on this bottle cap, you'll see that it's it's ridged there there's um, and that for this it's just so that you can grip onto it. But you'll notice the same things on coins. Now they don't really need that anymore. it's now just there more for tradition. but the reason that they had that on there so that people couldn't clip the coins. The mints back then were not as fine tuned. You can now, if you pick up a, a quarter and it's a little bit misshaped, um, you'll notice it right away. But in the in those days, especially the farther back in history you go, coins you know, were a little bit goofy. And a lot of times what would happen is that if an emperor or a king was running into some issues, they would have at the treasury, at the state treasury, they would go by and they would cut the you know, slight little slivers off the edges of the coin, right? Barely even noticeable, right? It might make it a little bit flat here or here. And what that did was off of one coin, it's not that big of a deal, but if you imagine a whole state treasury, thousands and thousands of gold coins, that, that's a lot of money it adds up to. So they started to do things like that so that you could trust that it was not clipped. Gosh, I can't hold onto this thing. It's not clipped at the edges. If you're listening, um, uh, I'm doing a little bit of visual stuff here for, for people watching on YouTube and in other areas. Uh, but you, you can uh, follow along. And, you know, they've done other things where, like you see here, this is a $100 trillion uh, Zimbabwe note. This is a very famous um, um, piece of currency here, as it is... You know the highest uh, printed note uh, that's ever been, as far as I'm aware. But you can actually see, for those listening, you can't really see it, uh, of course. But in the uh, lower right-hand corner, probably left as you're looking at it, there's a little little symbol right here, and it, it's a it's a hologram. And so, or I should say, it's a little foil, and you'll see that in U.S. dollars, you have the strip down the side that has the denomination number. Um, there's little holograms in there now, and all this is to stop counterfeiters. And you know, this has been uh, all those things that I mentioned—the the foil uh, and all that stuff—is either stop counterfeiters or people trying to steal from you. Whether it's individuals along the supply line, or you know, even merchants could have clipped coins too. Um, but it, it's also, you know, not just merchants, but also so that the people issuing it the normally or pretty much every single time, it was always the state uh, that was issuing it to, whether it was the Empire of Rome or the Kingdom of Britain, it doesn't really matter. Uh, it was some central authority that was dictating what was the coin to be used. And and with that, um, you know, th- th- there's always been this, this issue and with now that we've moved to fiat currencies where there's nothing backing it, if we moved off the gold standard and every national currency around the world has pretty much done the same, uh, they can issue it at will. They can print. I mean, like we just see now, half a trillion dollars or over that now has been printed by the Federal Reserve to shore up the repo markets. If you're not uh, very familiar with them, it's kind of like interbank lending. So if a bank is... You know, not... It's not that they don't... uh, They technically don't have the money, but they need a certain amount of money to stay solvent... And for one reason or another, they they're short a little bit, uh, and by a little bit, those are massive numbers for us. But for them, it's really not. Um, and they're they're short. So what they'll do is they'll go to another bank, Bank of America. We'll go to Citibank and say, Hey, I need, we need a loan uh, for 1.2 billion, or for 400 million dollars, or 20 million dollars, whatever it is. They give them the loan. Uh, the the interest rates. Are really low because it's also a really low period of time. It's just a way to manage uh, to to trade liquidity so that everybody can kind of stay up, and the the lending banks get a you know few fractions of a of a percent in interest off the deal and it's usually very quick that you know that they they pay these off and they're back to normal but we don't know what happened yet why this what this happened and these markets are are uh, the repo markets are quite a bit more complex than what i just explained i even don't quite understand fully how they work and what happened and it doesn't really seem like anybody does because i have yet to see an article really talking about why this happened there's been there's been speculation that this is due to a bank being actually completely insolvent, and they're trying to prop it up to keep the economy from falling into a recession again. But we don't know yet. But, anyways, back to what I was getting at: that so we don't have, uh, you know, we don't have this trust that they're not just going to. And every time they print a trillion dollars in new dollars, your, the money that you hold loses value. It's designed to lose. The Fed targets two percent, two percent. Of your money, or it loses two percent of its value every single year. So if you have, one, you know, a thousand dollars, or let's just make it easy, a hundred dollars in the bank, the next year it can only buy about ninety-eight dollars worth of, of products, right? It incentivizes you to spend them or to seek out riskier investments in the in the uh, in the stock market in the Wall Street. Um, so all you know to get back down to what I was getting at with the a thousand blockchains is that there's a really big need for a money that people can't screw around with. They can't arbitrarily change the inflation and create brand new uh, brand new amounts of that money just so they can satisfy the need to have a, a political win or to fund a war or to fund a social program, whatever it is. You wanna be able to know that the coin that you are getting is an actual real one ounce gold coin or one ounce silver coin for whatever you're selling somebody. And you would always have to have this l- somewhat layer of trust in that network. Or, yeah, I guess it is. A, it's a network of sorts. And you'd have to trust that the merchant who gave it to you before when you bought something else or that the treasury didn't clip off a little bit and it's 99.9% of the uh, one ounce of silver that you, that you purchased. And, and now it's at, uh, you know, 98.5% and you don't notice it, but you're actually getting a bad end of the deal. You don't want all that inflation. Like I said, and with Bitcoin, it offers us that it offers us the ability to trust that when you see a confirmation of a transaction in your wallet, whatever that wallet may be, um, or, you know, that you're, either checking on a, on, a, on a blockchain or whether you're running your own full node and checking and validating yourself. You want to be able to be sure. And there's varying degrees of what's better or worse than that. But compared to the older systems, even a soft wallet is much, much, much better. Um, and that's why I see the need to have all these... This sort of energy expenditure, whether we're talking about proof of work or just people working and spending mental energy on this versus something else. Money is very important. Absolutely. So, to you go back even further to what I was discussing, uh, uh, maybe I should call this episode I digress, but actually I think I will. And you know, I, that was something that I failed to do was to really uh, caution a lot more people about that. And so in 2019, we've we, we've seen that. We've seen uh, Libra emerge. We've seen uh, the PBOC, the People's Bank of China, uh, you know, issuing or beginning the process to issue a digital one, uh, basically on a blockchain sort of deal. And this is momentous, momentous stuff. We're not crazy about Libra, of course. We don't want a centralized permission blockchain. Uh, but the fact that Bitcoin has had the effect of bringing together some of the largest corporations in the world to try to offer a counter to it. Because make no mistake, this is what it is. The digital one, the Libra, they are all counters to Bitcoin. They would not exist. Cashless society has been something that they've wanted. Right. Digital currencies is a way to get that, but they would not have had the pressure on them to do something like that. They would have not seen the idea of a digital currency pushed into the zeitgeist of our society and our culture to to make it seem like it's a thing that we need to do unless Bitcoin had done it. Unless Bitcoin was threatening the status quo and threatening the system they've come to rely upon. Um, you know, seeing, you know, these congressional hearings, right? And there is some people that do kind of understand what this is all about. I'm always, and I've grown to accept it, but it's still so shocking at times to watch these people who are making decisions for an entire country of 330 million people, and they don't understand what encrypted communications are or how that works. They don't understand how email works. This was not the Lieber hearings, but uh, when Mark Zuckerberg was called up to talk about uh, the post-2016 election and they were asking him about WhatsApp, there's one congressman, I can't remember his name. And he was saying, well, you know, can you read what's in my WhatsApp messages? And he's going, no, Congressman, I mean, that's that's totally end to end encryption, um, which I wouldn't trust, by the way. But but anyways, uh, you know, he's saying that's totally end to end and end to end encryption. We can't read those messages. And he goes on to, yeah, but what if what if I have a, uh, you know, in my email and my WhatsApp, if I say I like this thing? Um, you know, like I like pears, I can't remember his analogy. Uh, when I start seeing ads for pears because that's what happens on Facebook, he's he's partially correct because I'm guessing some staffer briefed him on how all this works, or he res, read some Gizmodo article. Um, and you know, that's how it works when you're uh, liking things that are all about French cooking, you follow um, famous people within the french cooking world you're going to get ads targeted at you by things like cookware uh french delicacies french cooking classes things like that and you know he's saying well can they can you do that he's like no we can't because it's an end encryption and like i said i wouldn't trust it but um but the, the fact that he doesn't understand that if something's Encrypted on both ends that, you know, nobody could read that per se, uh, is just always uh, sh- shocking to me. And, and, just the kind of idiocy that you see around the understanding of Bitcoin and just this blockchain. It's either a panacea that's going to fix the world of all ills or, um, it's, it's something that I don't understand. So it's gotta be bad. Uh, but we've seen like congressional hearings and people talking, uh, you know, and senators and, and congresspeople as well talking positively about Bitcoin. I mentioned this in one of my fewer uh, wrap-up episodes a little while ago, is that it was really interesting to see, and whether or not they actually like Bitcoin or if they're just using Bitcoin as a foil to hammer, uh, to use as a foil to, to criticize Libra is yet to be seen. But it, it was really interesting to see people understanding a, a, a tiny fraction, enough of Bitcoin to go... Okay, well, but you know, you can't do this at Bitcoin, but will you be able to do that in libra and kind of um, putting bitcoin as the uh, kind of the the gold standard no pun intended. So that was very interesting this year. Um we we've kind of seen a rollout of of uh, lightning and second layer, although it's still very uh, very early, and and uh, I wouldn't put too much on that network um, until there's a lot more done to it. Um, we saw Ethereum really screwing up uh, their you know the admissions by um, some of the, the heads of Ethereum. I can't remember what conference that was where they they specifically admitted that they knew that Ethereum 1.0 was not scalable and kind of laughing it off like, oh, yeah, we knew that wasn't going to work anyways. Um, and then their New Year's rollout of this thing, you know, calling all these developers and all these people who run different Ethereum type of products to come in on New Year's Day to to uh, update their nodes and things like that. It's just I, I don't know. It it was um n- not good uh overall. Um w- within Bitcoin I'm, I'm I've become more within the last year I, I I would call myself a maximalist as far as in the terms of the way that a lot of people use it. Uh, but I've I've come to understand quite a few things about Bitcoin. I've I've come to really um. Understand the the Bitcoin religion that that is forming, and this has been an eye opening year for that. Um, I I've also basically I until until I can seize you know something, I'm always open to being incorrect, but I I just no longer see any blockchain projects out there that are worth really spending any time on um, or putting in, in 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 any money into. Um, I don't think that they are worthwhile, and I think that Bitcoin is much 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 more important and and deserves the and deserves all of our attention and and energy being put into that versus, you know, a, a way to create a really cool game on Ethereum that about 48 people are going to ever use. Um, I, I'm also, during that same time period, becoming increasingly concerned about Bitcoin. Um, I see... There are a lot of other people that we just don't see, but I, I see a lot of people within Bitcoin that, and I mentioned this on my, my wrap-up yesterday, um, would have been for the 27th. Bitcoin at the very beginning w- spread this the meme, the Bitcoin meme far and wide. It was actually quite amazing how quickly this the Bitcoin meme spread, right? Um, it went from a project of... You know, one guy, then to two guys, um, then to a handful of people, and then to you know a few hundred supporters and developers, then to a few thousand, you know, supporters and developers, and you know, very rapid. I mean, we're only ten years in. It's insane. It's insane that it's this big in ten years, uh, coming from you know just bootstrapped uh, from from where it was, and the the the, the ability for the big. Coin mean to proliferate and spread throughout communities was amazing we were very very good at that and by we i mean the people that preceded myself um i didn't come until 2013 and i really didn't understand it then I, i don't act as though i did have an inkling um and i should have trusted my instinct uh you know and there was quite a few what are now probably the worst financial decisions that i've ever made in my life um So, I mean, those people before did all the hard work that we kind of stand on their shoulders for. And we have not been very good at spreading this. We have become, and this is what happens a lot of times when you have communities. So whenever you have civil wars within community, I mean, the... Ethereum splitting off, uh, Bitcoin Cash, uh, the proliferation of just a blockchain for every little thing and everybody. Uh, These are all things that have been somewhat civil wars within Bitcoin, right? Uh, Bitcoin is not concerned, you know, Bitcoiners were not that concerned about uh, a fork of Ethereum to Ethereum Classic, other than just kind of watching it. But Ethereum's existence uh, and all these other forks within these communities, these are civil wars, and the problem with civil wars are is that they take the time, the money, the passion. And they go from focusing it outside to either spread your empire, spread your ideas, whatever, to internal struggles. And the key to a post-Civil War period is that once the threat is gone, you need to turn back outwards. And I don't think that we've done that. I've seen so much of the passion, the energy, and the writing being about how this is bad or that is bad. I'm not saying like we shouldn't point out scams or warn people that this idea is just not a good one or whatever. But I see, you know, Bitcoin has been internalizing and and going in-group in versus out-group. But we all have in-group preferences and in-group things, right? But if we're not in, in evangelization, missionary religion, right? If Bitcoin does not, if Bitcoin... Does not re embrace that. I think that the some very hard times, um, Bitcoin's not going to die, but the, but the timetable to achieve what we want to will be significantly changed, or maybe not at all. Uh, because if you're not evangelizing and converting people, then all you're doing is just slowly dying by attrition in lifetimes, right? And this has been the problem of non-missionary religions. You see that uh, you either have to have high birth rates or you have to evangelize. Um, Hinduism is not really necessarily evangelical and missionary in nature, but the high birth rates have, have maintained their total numbers um, worldwide, mostly in the Indian subcontinent. Um, Islam, uh, Christianity... Um, is very much an evangelization religion. The reason that Judaism is still very small comparatively is because it is not an evangelization. Although they, um, especially not in recent with the reformed sects of Judaism, but within Hasidic Judaism, there's a big emphasis on high birth rates. Within Christianity, it's not that there's not high emphasis on birth rates, but there's a missionary zeal to it. You saw the Shakers um, they were a, after the one of the Great Awakening, was this the second Great Awakening, I think, in the Americas and the Shakers, you probably heard of Shaker Furniture. And that was one of their main things that they were known for outside of their theology. But anyways, there were groups and I won't go into their, their theology, but one of the things is that they did not believe in um, men and women procreating or being married at all. Right, so it was basically a celibate life for every single person who adhered to the religion they also did no sort of real evangelization missions which is why they no longer exist today outside of, I think there's like like a community or a handful of people around the country who have, after reading about it, became a shaker, but that's not really anything and I think that we have become so insular that we do a lot of like memes that make us laugh, we um, the, the prol- proliferation of muting and blocking on Twitter, I think, is very, very telling of a lack of understanding of the need for evangelization. I think a lot of people within Bitcoin think that, you know, once that there's going to be this awakening of people or once J.P. Morgan Chase and CalPERS, the the um, the retirement plan is like one of the largest funds in the world. So it's the retirement fund for uh, California state workers. Uh, you know, if they, you know, if they just start to take in like five percent Bitcoin holding, well, then we're just going to reach moon. That's not going to spur people in mass to embrace Bitcoin, because the idea of well, if they just hold Bitcoin, that's all we need. Like no, like it, just holding an asset doesn't make you know convincing somebody to buy a gold coin, you know let's just say pre-Bitcoin, right? As a libertarian and going like, well, you should own gold to hedge yourself against inflation. And he finally badger somebody and they buy a gold coin. Does that change their mindset? They have this gold coin sitting in there at some point in the future, they're going to you go, know, oh yeah, I have that gold coin. Oh yeah, you know, I did want to buy, you know, I did want to go on that vacation and maybe that they sell at that. They don't have the mindset. They don't have. Uh, they don't have the mindset of sound money. All you did was just badger them or by default they own gold in some, some point, but you haven't changed their minds. The whole point of Bitcoin is to change people's minds for not doing that. All we are going to become is going from a edgy fringe, you know, internet thing, right? That people go, like, Oh, Bitcoin. And they kind of look at it as being edgy. And, and, and once we move from that, and it's just like, everybody's got it in just saying that scenario, everybody's got it as uh, a 2% or 5% of their portfolio. It's just this other boring thing, like having a Bitcoin or, or a gold ETF in your mutual fund. Nobody cares. Nobody's going to read about it. Nobody's going to change their mind. And we're going to continue down the way. They're not going to own it in their own, um, you know, it, themselves. They're not going to hold their own keys. And you're not going to convince people to hold their own keys if we're not focusing on changing their minds. And that means that if you are going to be a missionary for Bitcoin, and by being a missionary for Bitcoin, anybody who's seeking to be a public figure is seeking to be a missionary for Bitcoin. And if all you want to do is only talk to people who agree with you, that is absolutely not going to be a way you change anybody's minds. I understand for curating your content. Um but there's other better ways to do that get a mailing list together get a telegram only group uh, get you know whatever various chat program that you want to and open up your own server you know use discord with a bunch of insider bitcoiners and you can do it there but but you know this idea of a worldwide social media platform and all you want to do is just talk to your you, you want to have 10 or 30,000 or you know half a half a million followers but then go I don't want to talk to anybody that I don't agree with. I, I don't know. I mean you're like you're 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 missing the whole point of what all this is, right? It's not about going to conferences and speaking. That that's, you know, that's nice and all. Um, it's not about people going, "Oh yeah, I know who you are. Oh yeah, I bought your book." It's about changing people's minds. And if that's not what it's about, then you're you're not doing anything. You're not making any real difference, right? So I think that this, you know, and I understand as well, like there, there's habitual offenders, people who only come in to just shit posts and all that. And I think there's a there's a difference between that um, and just going, well, this person is working on, you know, you know, I don't know, weed coin or whatever. Or or uh, they're working on something to track, you know, cattle herds or whatever. And I think that's a stupid application. So I'm just not going to talk to them. Um, I, you know, I, I understand trying to push down the signal and noise but there's a certain point you reach where you're you're doing that not because you want to have productive conversations that matter but because you only want to engage the people who already agree with you which i think is counterproductive and you can do that almost anywhere at any time anyway so why would you want to take a worldwide platform and, and do that. So I, I think that Bitcoin needs to re-engage its missionary and evangelization zeal. And I think a lot of the reason that people do this because they fight the idea of a Bitcoin religion. Now, I'm not saying, like, I understand it. I'm not saying that I have, you know, somehow abandoned that which I believed in before. Absolutely not. So that's probably why I'm not the best Bitcoiner. Um, but the idea of going like, well, no, this is not a religion, it's just a technology, is absolutely a ridiculous statement and that's why we are stuck in this rut because they think that they are you know unofficial ambassadors of of a of an app startup versus this idea of like no we we're trying to change the world and you do that by changing their hearts and minds and you do that through the form of religion and they don't it, it amazes me that people will do nothing but talk about Bitcoin, only hang out with Bitcoiners, only want to talk about Bitcoin, only go to carnivore meetings, um, value, um, you know, really think that anybody who doesn't run their own full node, who doesn't stack sats, like all these sorts of ritualistic things that they do and, and in group, um, things and, and, uh, promote sacraments and, 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 uh speak out against vices and then go, oh no, well, this is just this is just a technology I'm passionate about. Blows my mind. So I think in 2020, we need to, and beyond, we need to re-engage that aspect of Bitcoin. And 2019 was a, was a good year. Um, it was really good for the podcast. We grew by quite a bit. Uh, you know, obviously I want to grow much, much, much bigger. So I'd appreciate it if all you guys would share this sort of stuff. But, you know, uh, to do, if you want to do that, By the way, I'll just do a shameless plug. Uh, I do offer listener discounts. So if you go to supportmypodcast.com, supportmypodcast.com. There's all these different you know ways. Shopping on Amazon, use my Cash App referral number, um, leave a review on iTunes and all that kind of stuff. And of course, share it on social media. But I also have a little button on there that says uh, listener supporter uh, discounts. You go there, there's things like uh all their supplements I have a discount for. I have discounts for Tracer, for Keep Key, for Bitcoin.tax, uh, for Mushroom Tea. Or mushroom coffee, which is actually surprisingly good. I don't mind the taste of mushrooms, so I actually mix my own powders. I don't know if I have that down here or not. But I mix my own uh, lion's mane and reishi and shaga. And I just put a little tin and I just swallow it with water every day. But a lot of people don't like that or it's too you know, chalky or whatever. So it's this pre-mixed, uh, mushroom and coffee all together. it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, I think you guys would, would really like it. So, um, I, the only reason I don't use it all the time is just because I already pre-make it, but I don't, some mornings where I've forgotten or whatever, I'll just take that stuff. So there's a lot of discounts. It's, it's, uh, I'm I'm continuing to find new ones to, to give to you guys. So feel free to go there, suggest if you own a company and you want to do it. Yeah. Reach out. Um, so in, in the coming year, it's going to be really interesting because I think you're going to see the hammer fall. Uh, we've already seen that with the SEC on a lot of these startups, but I think you're going to see uh, Bitcoin-related companies could start falling under that if they, because a lot of people do a lot of stuff on social media. Like if you, you know, like there's a possibility of. You know, shooting rocket emoji things of Bitcoin to the moon tweets and things like that actually opening you up possibly for, you know, Bitcoin's not a security, I understand, but, but giving out, um, financial advice and things like that. So I think people need to be very careful about that. But where I think the hammer's going to come down on is they're going to continue to go after people. Um, the IRS is going to continue to do that. I'm still currently trying to work out the fact that, the total volume of things that I bought and sold is not actual income because they are taking let's just say I bought and sold uh I bought one bitcoin for 10,000 and sold it for 10,000. They are saying that I had an unreported income of 20,000 for that. The number that they had was massively large. I would love to have had that problem um in 2017 where I made that much money that uh, I would be glad to pay uh, the fines and and interest and all that kind of stuff if I'd made that kind of money in that in that period, but they're gonna continue to go after people um you are seeing um I think you're gonna see although the YouTube crypto thing I don't think was as big of a deal as people made it out to be I think there was an element of uh testing the waters to see what's gonna happen they have done things like this before where they'll do you know they'll delete some people and videos and then go oh shoot restore them and then you see like five six months later like a big right they see what the reactions are and if they can get away with these sorts of things and i'm sorry i have something that keeps on popping in and out of my computer and i think you're going to see a lot more regulatory action on these sorts of things and i don't think it's going to be really what we want and what we want to see um and i I think it's going to be a legal year for for bitcoin i don't think the happening is going to result in any kind of bull run not in terms of the way people are going oh well it's going to kick off another bull run and by that what they mean is 2017 there could be some fomo of people going oh this might actually happen and it jumps up 20 30 percent but I, i just i don't see the rush of new investors to make up um, make this up, but I could absolutely be wrong on that. And I'll be happy to, like I said, my last wrap up, I'll be more than happy to come on and say I was wrong because there's, there's nothing wrong with being wrong. The, the only thing wrong with being wrong is, um, is not admitting to it and not learning from it. But, um, but anyways, I have, I have a lot of real, you know, hope for, for 2020 and what that's going to be and what that's going to look like. I'm really, really hoping that Bitcoiners as as, um, you know talking with Vin Armani or actually he said this not in one of the podcasts but I'm going like we need to I absolutely agree with him we need to remember and start asking the question of what is Bitcoin I think too many people have come to the conclusion that they understand what Bitcoin is and that that is what Bitcoin is right I'm constantly evolving on this on this uh, concept of what Bitcoin is and I think that until we do that, um, we are going to, we're we're going to continue to grow very slowly. And, you know, like I already said, we need to, we need to evangelize more. We, we need to become um, a project um, that embraces the fact that it has become a religion and we need to evangelize that to the world. And if all that we have to offer them is, you know, uh, you know, buy and hold you know run your own full node uh, i'm not saying that all none of the, that that itself is bad in and of itself what i'm saying is that that's not compelling it doesn't it doesn't make me want to go out there and and devote my life to it it doesn't make me want to become an a passionate evangelizer the great religions of the world you know christianity did not spread because there was a couple groups of people that were working on the dogma it spread because there was people that were so on fire with the spirit as they would say and they wanted to go out and spread that religion themselves right they joined up and they became missionaries and they traveled to all corners of the world they were willing to die many of them did they were either burned alive um they were executed they were crucified they would go into the deepest hearts of the jungle um of you know whether it was africa or the amazon never to come out again all because they wanted to spread what they believed how many bitcoiners do you know that are willing to do that and until we understand that that is what we are called to do and we start to understand that that is the things that must be done if we want to see the world that we hope we get to see through bitcoin then it's never going to happen So anyways, I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to leave me comments. You can find me on Twitter at D-U-S-T-I-N-D-R-Y-1-S-T. You can find all the links to my Facebook, my Instagram, my Twitter, all this kind of stuff. If you go to didyouknowcrypto.com, you will see all the um, links to my social media sites uh, right there. Please like the uh, channel on wherever you are at please share it please give me a five-star written review on itunes please subscribe on youtube which is going to be over that way yeah no that way um a <laughs> little red box subscribe button if you're in mobile it's going to be a little bit lower than that i want to thank you very much for watching for listening and I, I really do appreciate all you guys' support. Every time you download the episode, every time um, that you listen to an episode, it, it really does mean the world to me because that's the kind of the... When I see growing numbers, when I see you know steady groups of people that are constantly listening to every episode, that really is the kind of fuel that I need to continue going on this because it's not easy um sometimes it's not fun as well there's a lot of work in developing video and audio you know putting it across multiple platforms putting it up on social media doing the prep work for, you know chasing down interviews things like that so um sometimes every once in a while i need to go look at those numbers and it gives me a little bit more fuel in the tank so i hope you guys have a great year I hope you had a great christmas or or whatever you celebrate this holiday season and i will see you very soon thanks for watching and have a great night